Hello, and welcome to the Without Exception podcast. My name is Josiah Ott, and on this podcast, I seek to share practical content for everyday Christians. My hope is that I can help you live out your faith each day without exception. Thank you for joining me. This is episode number eight, and today I'm continuing the idea from last week on stewarding your wilderness. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to last week, that would be episode number seven on stewarding your wilderness. I would advise you go listen to that first. Uh, we talked about Moses and how the wilderness season, the desert season, uh, was preparation in his life. He went and spent 40 years in the desert uh, following sheep around, and it prepared him to lead the people of Israel, who were very similar to sheep. So that's what I talked about last week on episode seven. If you didn't catch it, go back and give it a shot. And this week, I'm going to be discussing the idea of not prolonging your wilderness. So all of us in life go through dry times, desert times, where our faith doesn't feel very strong. Our faith might be tested. We may feel far from God. These are things that kind of characterize what we would call a wilderness season of our lives. And it, it can apply to so many things, but basically it's just a time where things you know aren't growing. It's almost like a winter sort of thing where it's just not a great season spiritually um this as far as feeling you know healthy productive fruitful all these things but it is a necessary part of our spiritual lives everybody has to go through dry times and if you don't go through dry times you'll never be thankful for the other times and so we're discussing the idea of the wilderness here i'm going to be concluding this next week by discussing uh, jesus's time in the wilderness so i mean if jesus had to go through a wilderness you know, why do we think we could get away with not going through wilderness, right? So uh, it's a little bit different in everybody's life, but we all will have times where things seem dry and and we don't understand what God is doing, but it's a great time where our faithfulness is tested and we don't want to prolong this season by being disobedient to God. And I want to open today by reading a quote from a devotional book I'm doing right now, I'm reading through. It's called The Valley of Vision, A Collection of Puritan Prayers and Devotions. It's by Arthur Bennett. He's the one that composed it. This is on page nine, and I thought it was really relevant. And today is the day I was going to record anyways. And this was in the daily prayer from today, and I thought this was really cool. And the quote says, Help me to honor thee by believing before I feel. For great is the sin if I make feeling a cause of faith. And again, that was on page nine of the Valley of Vision. So the prayer here is saying that if we just honor God and follow God because we feel like it, you know, and that's the reason that we have faith is because it feels good. It it says that is a great sin in this quote. And I thought that was very interesting that, you know, we can honor God by believing before we feel like believing, which is so applicable to this wilderness season. Realistically, in the wilderness, you probably never feel like doing anything for God. It's a difficult time. And so believing before you feel, you know, and not making your feelings a cause of faith is such a relevant quote and idea. And it's a, it's a great prayer to pray to, that God, you know, I don't, want, I don't want my beliefs, I don't want my confidence in my feelings and how things are, I want them in your word, and then your faithfulness, right? And the, and the fact that God, you know, he's got a nature that we can trust, and it's not just, you know, this, oh, I don't feel like it right now. It's, our feelings are, are really irrelevant to, you know, to who God is, and his faithfulness to us, and his nature, and we just have to trust in him, and definitely not in our feelings. 
So as I said a minute ago, we talked about uh, Moses last week and how he was prepared through his time in the wilderness to lead Israel. So then this week, we're going to actually talk about the nation of Israel. So if you don't know, Moses ended up becoming the leader of the nation of Israel. They were the descendants of Abraham and descendants of, obviously, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And under Moses's leadership, the entire nation received the Old Testament law, which you can find in the books of Exodus and Leviticus. Uh, you see about them building the tabernacle, their tent, uh, their location, center for worship. And you can see all this, all this happened under Moses. So he ended up leading the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. They were all slaves in Egypt. The entire nation had become slaves. And so what they did is um, they ended up getting freed. You know, miraculously, the Red Sea, you've probably heard that story. And so as they got out, they had to travel to what is known as the promised land. And the promised land is called the promised land because it was promised to Abraham. And it basically, God told Abraham, your descendants are going to inherit this land. There, it's, I'm promising this geographical area to your descendants. And so when the people of Israel, when they were freed from Egyptian bondage and slavery, they had to travel to this promised land to, to inherit it, as God had said so long before. And so this happens, the traveling occurs in the book of Numbers. In the book of Numbers, we see there's they take a census, the numbering of the people. It's like a census. That's why it gets its name. But you also see the story of the wilderness or the desert wanderings. Again, wilderness does not mean trees. It means desert, but wilderness is the word that is used. And so they had to travel through this time of wilderness to get to the promised land, which is a really good analogy of, of what we might have to go through in life as well. Of, of the dry times, but there was a, there was a period that they had to go through the wilderness. But the problem that they, that they encountered is that their wilderness was prolonged. So there, there was a season of wilderness and it was supposed to come to an end, but because they did not properly steward this wilderness and they disobeyed God, they ended up prolonging it. So that's what we want to avoid. And, and so that's what I want to talk about in this podcast episode and hopefully encourage you guys with it. And so we see two big problems that the people of Israel had in the wilderness. The first one was complaining, and the second one was their lack of faith. And so these two problems in their life ended up prolonging their time in the wilderness. I think similarly in my life, in your life, if we make a habit of complaining, if we, if we don't have faith in God and we don't trust him during our time of wilderness, then your wilderness season might be extended until you have fully you know, received everything that God wants you to receive until you have grown into the person that he wants you to be. So we don't want to go and and prolong this wilderness season. So the first thing is complaining. You see, if you re ever read through the book of Numbers, you'll see countless times where the people complained. It's like, it's what they did. You know, it was they were the heads of the complaint department is the, the classic joke in, in churches go. If you've never heard that, there's some people that they might say, like they're the head of the complaint department. It's kind of funny. But they had a problem with complaining. And so this comes from obviously a lack of contentment. And is there ever times in your life where you're not content, where you maybe complain about, you know, what you have right now or where you're at right now? I know that I'm definitely, I'm definitely not perfect at this. I've gotten a lot better over the years in my, in my growth, in my relationship with God and trusting him, but it's definitely a battle that I think all of us face. You know, God has you in a certain place right now. Maybe it's not a great place. Maybe 
you know, even geographically, maybe you don't feel called to the area you're at, but sometimes you're there just for a season and you just have to be faithful. Or maybe he's given you things and, you know, God's provided in all of our lives, but maybe you don't always thank God for it. And sometimes it's not good enough. There's times I battle this. I I definitely, um, with vehicles is one thing where I've had to learn contentment. It's been really good in my life though. And I'm sure that there's things in your life that God wants to teach you contentment through. So a, a funny story for me and my wife, anytime we go driving down the road it, without fail, it's, it's so funny. We just, we look at things differently. And, and I don't know if you're married, maybe you and your spouse kind of do something similar. So when we're driving down the road, I'm always looking at vehicles. I, I think, you know, I think trucks are great. I love pickup trucks. So we drive by a dealership and I'm looking at the nice trucks they got and, you know, maybe which, which ones they got, maybe kind of the different features and stuff. And then my wife is looking at houses and she's always like, Oh, did you see the color on that house? And I'm like, no, but did you see that awesome truck over there right next to that house? You know? And it's kind of funny. Uh, we, we didn't really ever plan it, but it happens without fail. And I don't really think it's a lack of contentment on either of our parts. It's just like, it's what we, what we notice, you know, I think trucks are great. And and I'm noticing like, oh, hey, look look at that nice Toyota Tundra over there. I'd like to get one someday. And then she's like, oh, that house had this really nice color of green on it. Maybe we could do our siding that color. And and so there's kind of things, you know, that we all have that we look at. But you have to learn contentment in the meantime. We desperately need new siding on our house. But my wife has has been content with where we're at. And she is she's probably the most amazing person I know when it comes to being content. She really is. We went for a season in our house where we didn't have really much at all for cabinets or or cupboards. We kind of had this very, very temporary setup and, you know, just a lot of women wouldn't be cool with that. So it's something I really, really love and appreciate about my wife. And for me, you know, at times you got to learn to be content with what you're driving. The other day I was pulling some branches out of the back of my truck. You know, my wife and I were doing some, some yard cleanup and she had got a bunch of stuff ready and we threw it all into the into the back of my truck and went to the dump station and I ripped my, one of my taillights clean out of my truck and I grabbed this branch and I was yanking on it and somehow it caught the taillight and just ripped the taillight right out of the back of the truck and I'm like oh man that's not good you know and unfortunately um, my truck's old it's kind of rusty part of a PA New York truck you know it's a beautiful thing if you live in the south be grateful they don't use a lot of salt down there in the area where the taillight goes back in it's all either busted or rusty or whatever so I currently have a, a taillight that is T-Rex taped to the back of my truck. It's super, super rough looking, <laughs> but it's kind of fun. You know, it's, it's where we're at right now and we're just learning to, to be content. So it's one of the things that God's been doing in our life as well. And a good scripture for this is first Timothy chapter six, verses six and through eight it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. So essentially, if God has met your needs, then you're blessed and you have enough, even if you don't always have what you want. So in my life, you know, I don't have the the nice new pickup truck that I'd love to be driving, um, but I do have one that gets me down the road, you know, and it's been good enough and it's gotten me everywhere I go I need to go and and thankfully you know, because it's older, if I'm doing some work with it and it gets a new scratch, I don't even normally notice, you know? So, I mean, there's advantages to kind of every, every stage, but you learn that, that there's many things I might want in life, but God has met my needs and that for that, I should be thankful. So this is the uh, scripture 
where the the people of Israel, right, the nation, as I said, this is kind of based on them and, and their shortcomings. This happens in Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, an area where they complained. And this is one of the most famous sections. I'm not going to be going through every instance where they failed because, frankly, there's just a ton, you know. There's only so much I can I can do in one episode, but this is one area I wanted to focus in on um, as far as their complaint goes. So Numbers chapter 11, verse 1 says, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Taborah because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now the rabble, that was a foreign group of people that was traveling with them. Uh, the, the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its appearance like that of bajellum. The people went about and gathered it and ground it in handmills or beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. So basically you see in this section, the people had manna to eat, which was essentially bread, bread from heaven. And so what happened was the people were out in the wilderness and they're in this desert. And obviously there's no grocery stores in the desert. There's obviously no grocery stores in those days. Anyways, you know, they had to grow, grow their food. And so in this area, they didn't have food and they were starving. And so the people cried out to God. They were desperate. God, we need food. We need provision. So God miraculously had this bread appear when the dew came out, you know, the the grass gets wet at night and then there's bread that shows up. And so, and I I guess there must've been some grass. I don't know. It's a desert, but there was this manna that showed up and it was a miracle. I mean, think about how God is just making this bread show up every day and they weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath day, do anything on the Sabbath day. So the day before the Sabbath, they actually got two days worth of bread, but every day they had to get bread. They were only allowed to gather one day's worth of bread or it would spoil. And so it was this, this process that God had had given to them. And it was a great gift. I mean, think about it. God is miraculously providing food for them. Like it's a miracle every day, but it wasn't good enough. They got bored. You know, they, it was like, this is all that's on the menu is this bread. Are you kidding me? Like back when we were slaves in Egypt, back in the good old days, we had leeks, onion and garlic and fish and all this nice stuff. And it's one of the most ironic passages in all of scripture to me is that they're looking back at the good old days when they were in slavery. Have you ever thought about that? Like they were slaves in Egypt. It was awful. They were, you know, they were put to this very, very hard labor. And after Moses showed up on the scene, things got worse. You know, they were put to forced labor and it was not good at all. And they're looking back at their days of of slavery and they're thinking, man, the food was better when we were slaves. And it's not even that they had food then and they didn't have food now, like God had met their needs. So it just was the menu wasn't good enough. I mean, isn't that crazy to think about? Like they were so not content with what God had done in their life at this season. They were looking back at the days of slavery. And sometimes I think this is a good 
a good time to realize that all of us at times need to, you know, zoom out and look at the big picture of your life and what God has done and realize like, oh yeah, yeah maybe there was a bigger menu back then, but uh, I was a slave. So really I've got it really good now, you know, like God has been so faithful to us or realize, Hey, God is miraculously feeding us every day and we're no longer starving, but they couldn't be thankful for the fact that they were no longer starving because the menu was too plain. And I think, you know, I can't guarantee at all that I would have not complained. You know, I mean, all of us probably battle with complaining at times and, and battle with taking God's provision for granted and, and maybe battle with, oh, it's just the same old, same old, but God was miraculously feeding these people. And yet they were complaining and complaining. The the sad thing is essentially it says, God, what you've given me, it's not good enough. That's basically what complaining is. And so they were going and, and complaining, God, what you've given me is not good enough. And maybe not only the things that God's given, but maybe the stuff you're stuck doing when you're in the wilderness. So in the wilderness, these people, they had to travel, walk around, you know, it wasn't always pleasant. And in your dry seasons, maybe there's some really mundane tasks that you're stuck doing. Maybe you have a job you don't really love, or maybe you're, if you're a stay at home mom, you just doing a lot of mundane changing diapers and stuff that just doesn't really feel like it has any meaning to it. And I know that a lot of us, if you go through that, that dry season, you can not only complain about, you know, the things that God's given you, but the stuff you're stuck doing every day, like this is no fun. I don't want to do this. And so in this season, we can really learn to try to trust God that he's using those things for our good and for his glory and to develop us into the people that he wants us to be. Uh, An interesting, probably not that interesting, a story from my life is that something I struggled with for a season is part of my responsibilities in my job is, is plowing snow. And normally I like plowing snow, but if it snows on a Sunday morning, I have to show up to the church very early and plow and make sure everything is cleared so that people can come to church safely. Cause if there's a ton of snow or ice, it's a problem. So that's one of my responsibilities. And it's something that in the first um, period of time, when I had this job, I really didn't like doing it because it's Sunday, you know, it's Sunday, it's your day off and you have to get up extra early to make sure everything's done. And there's a time constraint that's not normally there. It can be really stressful. And so, you know, that was one of those things that almost felt like a dry time to me. And I was frustrated, like, this is no fun. You know, this is one of those things I don't want to be doing again, not just things you have, but things you want to be doing. And so this is kind of where I was at. And I heard a, um, a message from John Maxwell or a, a leadership teaching or something. He's a leadership teacher and he was challenging people to say, don't say I've got to say I get to. And he said, if you can have that mentality in life, it'll be really transforming to you. I don't remember where I heard him say that, but I know it was from John Maxwell. So instead of saying, Oh, I've got to go plow. You could say, Hey, I, I get to go plow. And if you can really honestly change that mentality in your life, in whatever season you might be going through in your wilderness, it'll really, really transform your life. Because then all of a sudden, instead of me looking at, Oh, I've got to go park, plow the parking lot. I really don't want to do this. You know, I, I got to say, you know, I get to go plow the parking lot and there's, you know, dozens of people that probably could plow this parking lot, but I'm the one that gets to do it. And not only that, like if, if it's not done right and you don't have salt out or whatever, 
and it's icy, people could slip. And, you know, if it's an, an older person in the church and they slip, they could get hurt, you know, like it's, I mean, anybody could get hurt, but it's more, more prone to happen with an older person. And so then you go and look at it and say, you know, not only do I get to do this, but I am entrusted with the safety of some of these, you know, members of the congregation. And then you go and realize like, yeah, this might be mundane and it might be something I don't love to do, but guess what? Like I get to do this and I'm entrusted with the safety of these people. And so in a way, it's really not as mundane as you think. And if you can look at it that way, it really transforms the things you might be stuck doing in your wilderness. And the second thing here was their lack of faith. So that was the second problem. First problem was they complained. Second problem was their lack of faith. And in this, you have to trust, you know, is God going to bring my difficult season to an end? Will there be an end to this wilderness? That, that is the question in this part. And see, the thing is, the wilderness was supposed to be temporary. Their wilderness was a one-time journey from Egypt to Canaan, the promised land. Like, that's, that's what it was supposed to be. And so what ended up happening is the people traveled, they got to the edge of the promised land. And I'm paraphrasing a bunch of this. I'm not going to read through it. But Numbers chapter 13, verse 1, God said, okay, you're on the edge of the promised land. Moses, send in spies. Go in, spy out the promised land, see what it looks like, you know. And then he said, see the land that I'm giving to them. Spy out the land that I'm giving. So if God's giving it, like God said, I'm giving you this land, you know. And they were there on the edge and they spied it out. I looked it up on a map before. I mean, they they thoroughly went through. They went all the way to the northern area of the promised land. They didn't just go peek through just a little bit. Like they thoroughly covered this land, checking it out, trying to see if, if they were capable of getting it, if they were capable of conquering it. And it's almost ironic that they were seeing if they were capable when God said, I'm giving this to you. If you think about that, God said, I'm giving this to you. And they were trying to find out if they were capable, which are just two thoughts that don't go together. And so what ends up happening is they had 12 spies go in. 10 out of the 12 spies came back and brought a bad report. They said, we don't stand a chance. The, the people in there are huge and, you know, the cities are fortified. And yeah, it, it, they might have some really nice big grapes, you know, and, and awesome food and stuff. Like it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but the people are too big. We don't stand a chance. And there was two guys, uh, one was named Caleb, one was named Joshua. And the two of them said, no, we, like God's giving us this land, we can do it. But unfortunately, you know, two out of 12 people don't have a very high vote. And so everybody said, all right, well, I guess we're not going in. So then the people respond again by complaining, crying and, and weeping. In Numbers 14, uh, verse one, it says, then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. So they're saying we give up. You know, it would have been better for us to die somewhere else than to go there and die in battle. And here's the thing. They had 40 days. These spies went in for 40 days and every day was an opportunity to trust God, to believe that when God said, I'm giving you this land, that they were going to, to inherit it. They were going to win the battle. Not to mention 
The land was called the promised land because it had been promised to Abraham, which was hundreds of years earlier. God had promised them, this land will be yours. And, and like they could not have faith in this promise that had been so long. So they had 40 days, which was 40 opportunities to trust God. But instead, they pursued and went through and had 40 days of doubt. And as a result, they were punished. And their punishment was 40 years of wandering. Numbers 14 verse 34 says, According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, a year for each day you shall bear your iniquity, 40 years, and you shall know my displeasure. Originally, when I knew the story of the wilderness wanderings, I always thought that the people complained, and because they complained, they had to wander for 40 years, and then they got to go. But I was completely wrong. They actually made it to the promised land pretty quick, but because they didn't believe God was capable of delivering it to them, because they they had those 40 opportunities, and they, they chose to doubt, every day that they doubted turned into a year of wandering as punishment. So God essentially told them, yeah, like, Turn, turn this train around, like turn this, this car around. We're, we're going the other way. He actually told them head back to like head back towards Egypt. They weren't supposed to go to Egypt, but like literally turn around, we're done. And then the people tried to go in in their own strength because they felt bad because they had sinned and they lost. And God said, no, I'm not going with you. Like you're not, this is not going to happen. And see, and the ironic thing is um, only Caleb and Joshua end up going into the promised land. And when Joshua led the people of Israel into the promised land against Jericho, Jericho was terrified of Israel because they knew that the Lord fought for them. So all these people, all these spies that were terrified of the really big people with the really big cities and the really big walls, you know, in fact, the people of Jericho with their really big city and their really big walls was terrified of Israel because of God. But then, you know, the, the spies could not see that. So in the end, all of these problems are a result of lacking trust in God you know, in life, do you trust that God's given you all you need? Do you trust that God knows what you need more than what you want? Do you trust that God will be faithful to his word? And do you trust God's leading and direction in your life? You know, if we can trust all these things and we can patiently serve him during the wilderness, we can overcome our complaining, our lack of faith, and we can truly steward our wilderness. So every day you have an opportunity to trust God to be thankful for his provision, and to believe his promises. Or you can choose to doubt and complain and prolong your wilderness. So with that, I thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Without Exception podcast. I pray that this episode has been edifying to you and that it is something you can put into practice in your own life. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with others. If you were listening on Apple, I would love it if you would leave a review. It helps with the exposure of the show. That said, I pray you have an awesome week. And until I see you next time, let's live out our faith each day without exception.